Hey, welcome to the Create Unknown, the home of Make Something Mean Something. We have a lovely, fantastic crowd of patrons here with us live on Discord. I am Kevin Lieber, and with me, as always, is Matthew Tabor. Yeah, I, I, this is gonna, this is gonna be a big one, and I regret to inform you that I'm back on the sauce. I'm back on the uh, sauce. Oh no, what I sauce is down. that? I broke down. It is diet best yet birch beer. I bought five cases on on Monday, so I'm back in the game, baby. Uh, wait, and what caused the the gap? Uh, why were you on the wagon to begin with? Uh, I, I was drinking a lot of it, uh, okay. it, it but it, it, honestly, it, it it changed my appetite too much uh, because, like, this is this is actually like the hidden problem with soda and seltzer and all of those things is that the carbonation really affects how how full you feel it, it you know it makes a little balloon in your stomach but that dissipates very quickly and when that happens it's like a crash and all of a sudden you're ravenously hungry so it's like as this balloon passes through as it gets processed you go from feeling full to feeling extremely hungry in a really short period of time and so when i was drinking uh, a lot of soda i i just noticed that like, oh God, I'd feel so hungry. And then I would overeat. I'm like, ah, no, I need to, I need to cut down. So, you know, I'm back to, to drinking it during podcasts only, uh, okay. which do people around the world know that birch beer is non-alcoholic, that it's, it's like root beer. It's a soda. <laughs> it's funny that you say that because, uh, there was a time where you, you know, because as you do, whenever I've gone to visit you, you give me parting gifts typically some some kind of meat um some kind of extra tool that you don't need that you somehow ended up with seven of so you give me one of those and uh and (laughs) and then uh, on one occasion um there was a there was some birch beer involved Mm. in this you know in this parting parting gift ceremony and i had it um with me and uh I cracked it and it was, you know, I was about to, about to leave and I was at, at home and my dad was like, are you drinking a beer before you drive, <laughs> before you drive home? Uh, so not, not only do people, you know, around the world not know that it's not, non-alcoholic, my own parents <laughs> were concerned that I was drinking and driving uh, one day when I cracked one of your birch beers uh, before I left. Oh God, that's really funny to think that that your dad thought that you were just like slamming a brewski before getting yeah, on just, the road for a few just hours, cracking <laughs> a beer right in front of him, <laughs> just to guzzle that down before I hit the road <laughs> at like nine thirty in the morning. <laughs> I well imagine for for the uninitiated, especially worldwide, imagine. Um, root beer that's like half root beer flavor and half peppermint that middle ground that in between is what birch beer tastes like and i prefer the diet uh calorie free for a lot of reasons i like the taste better uh but my local grocery store has their own like house brand the really really cheap stuff uh you know when when it's in stock i I gotta stock up and so when i do it, i'll get like four or five six cases and and that's usually it at that store you know, so I'll just wheel it all up, you know, and get the funny look from the yeah, checkout person. The, the weirdo who just has a cart full of one thing. Yeah. Where there's, there's always that one person. obscure product. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I can't get it anywhere else. 
there's a better brand of it, but it's almost a dollar a can and it's an hour away. Oh man, that's some premium birch beer. Yeah. They jacked the price. It's, it's $10 plus tax and deposit for 12 cans. I'm like, no, 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 no. I, the, it's a very good, but it's not, it's not worth that. I was but trying yeah, to think so, of like a, a rich person drinking that birch beer. And I just thought of Obama for some reason. I have no idea why that was the first <laughs> name that came in my head. I was like, just imagining Obama, you know, sitting in front of the fire with a $1 can of birch beer, if just vibing. F- if this was a family feud situation and Steve Harvey it throws you that question. <laughs> yeah. Who's who in the world? Right. Which celebrity uh, is most likely to drink birch beer? You're slapping the button and screaming Obama. <laughs> yeah, he just walks away disgusted. <laughs> oh, Steve Harvey Marty. face. <laughs> you know, yeah. Oh, throws his hands. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't know. I don't know. I panicked. I panicked, and I hit the Obama button. <sighs> yeah. I don't well, know. Well, I figured that we needed that I needed a stiff a stiff drink to talk about what we have to talk about. Well, major major drama in the YouTube community this week as H Bomber Guy dropped a 4 hour video. Yeah. Yep. Uh, 3 minutes shy. D- I think it was like 356, yeah. Yeah, we'll call that 4. So, a 4 minute <laughs> video on uh the state of plagiarism on YouTube, you know, outlining um, a handful of specific cases of people in detail of what it is they're accused of stealing and how. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of people are talking about it rightfully because it's one of those sort of, you know, watershed moments where this is a thing that I think a lot of people feel and maybe discuss privately or think about to themselves. Um, not really just on YouTube, but really all of the platforms. I think probably yeah. TikTok would even be much, much worse than YouTube on this case. But sure. Um, but yeah, you know, dropping this video brings it to light and then gives everyone an opportunity to sort of talk about it in their own way. It's just sort of how these things work. And um, it's kind of a way more complex topic that I think it's like most people will give it credit for there, you know, I I mean, which is to say probably one reason why this video was four hours long and not like, you know, 15 minutes, because there's sort of a lot to talk about with even the concept of plagiarism, um, especially in online video and where we are today, where we were compared to 10 years ago, rights usages, what fair use is, what is, you know, transformative or not. Um, one thing's for sure is that there were examples, uh, for instance, I watched the segment on, um, angry video game nerd, which was, that was something that I was well aware of. You know, we've had James, we've had James on the show. We've had Justin Silverman on the show. Like we have connections to, to those guys. And, um, when that popped, you know, obviously we, we paid attention and that was a, that was seemingly a very blatant one, uh, you know, out of all of them where it was just you know, word for word copying. So yeah. And in a lot of different scripts too. Uh, I'm glad that you said there's more to it than a lot of people realize. And I agree with that. Uh, the, you know, the debate over this since the video popped, which was, I don't know, probably five days ago, um, it does not contain a lot of the, the nuance 
that I think the topic deserves because there is a great deal to to the the, the topic of plagiarism. Okay, and obviously copying something word for word counts. Um, but you know, what if you uh, commit to telling a story that somebody else has already told, recounting a factual event, for example? Well, it, you know, let's say it's it's a history thing. Let's say it's about a battle, the Battle of the Bulge. Okay, it it, it started in a specific way. Conditions led up to the situation, and then it played out in another way. Everybody who does a video on the Battle of the Bulge has the same progression because that just plain is the progression. You know, so there are a lot of very sensible ways in which there are going to be substantial similarities between videos. That's not that's not plagiarism at all. Um, but I wanted to have us talk about this because we have a, a, a somewhat unique perspective on this. Um, you know, I've done a, a, a lot of of writing, uh, mostly in the last five or six years. Before that, I was an editor. I edited over six million words for one publication. <laughs> editing allows you to see very clearly when somebody is is writing in their own words or not. It's especially when you work with the same writers over and over again because. Everybody has a style. Everybody has a voice. They phrase things in in the same sort of general way over time. You know, your videos are about all different things. Your presentation is this is this is Kevin Lieber and all of them. And if you if you read something that wasn't yours, that wasn't in your words, it would be so glaringly obvious <laughs> to anyone who's watched your videos for a long time. So, so I've, I've had cases where, where I knew somebody was lifting material, you know, the, the note is off by a, a, a half step, you know, somebody should be writing in C here and you get a couple lines that are in C sharp and it is horrible. You know, it's jarring just like it is with music. Um, you know, so I've seen a lot of that, but us together back when, when videos were paradoxes, uh, hard math concept videos. This was a distinct challenge for us because sometimes we would be taking a topic that, that number one was inflexible because with math that generally has to work in a very specific progression. There's no alternate dimension on, on a, a math paradox, for example, like, no, it goes one way. The dominoes fall in only one way. And the second aspect is that none of these were ever new. They were never new. They were, they would go between, you know, 75, 80 years old at the newest going back to ancient Greece, thousands of years. So you have this topic that can only progress in one way that has been done and done again for up to 2,800 years. <laughs> How do you do something original in those circumstances? And that was where we had to begin on every single topic. Uh, that that's that's a perspective that that a lot of people don't have, and we we were enmeshed in it for a few years. Now there's a lot more flexibility with the topics that you're doing now. Uh, but you know when it's uh, you know let's say somebody does something on the ship of Theseus paradox. Jake didn't Jake do a video on that years ago? Um, a long time ago. <clears throat> yeah, I mean he might have mentioned it as there's not much to that paradox, so it might have been part of another one probably. Mm -hmm. 
But yeah, yeah, that's one of those things where it's like, how do you uh, treat this in a way that's useful in the whole compendium of information about it since the beginning of time? That's really hard to do. Uh, and there is necessarily a lot of a lot of crossover. Uh, we've also talked in the past about the blue video with Johansson's blue video and how these start as exactly the same topic, which is a Seinfeldian, like, what's the deal with blue? <laughs> and then, <laughs> you know, within the first 30 seconds, they're completely different videos that end up complementing each other by, by telling the story of blue in two completely different ways. So there is a lot, a lot to this. Um, <sighs> well, and also I'll say real quick before we move off of blue, then there were videos after those videos that were made about blue that 100% uh, utilized research <laughs> that oh, uh, yeah. I uncovered in my video, I guess you would say. I don't really know how to phrase that uh, because I wouldn't characterize it as plagiarism. It was really just kind of, you, yeah, like referencing <sighs> stuff that I figured out. Right. And that's a unique dimension too. Like, you know, I... I don't want to paint this as having nuance on top of nuance, but it's on the, honestly the case where an educational video, that's kind of a feature more than a bug when somebody begins using that video for their own thing. So on the Foundation for Economic Education YouTube channel, I did a video a couple months ago about a Martin Scorsese film called Kundun um, and China. China's treatment of movie studios in the 90s with topics that are controversial to them, like uh, Tibet, Taiwan, uh, Tiananmen. Those are the, the three T's to them. Uh, maybe three weeks later, an article came out in a major publication that was that it was the video. <laughs> <laughs> it was it, the video yeah. in article form. Yeah. Yeah. This was like a 36, seven minute video. So it was a long you know, documentary style. Um, so it, initially I was really annoyed by that because they, they didn't even say like, Hey, this important issue came up from this video I saw over here and then relays it. No, no, no. They didn't do that. At the same time, the goal of that video was obviously to bring awareness to the situation, to increase knowledge of the topic in the broadest sense. And somebody copying it into an article furthers that goal. It, we got the message out that much, that much broader by somebody doing that. So you do get the nuance on an educational or an informational topic where if somebody does cite your stuff very heavily or even make their own version of it, they're doing exactly what you set out to do by making that in the first place. So there's a lot to consider here. Yeah, 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 there is. And going back to the, the math paradox things, that was, you know, one of the reasons and I think some people maybe didn't like this, and and I do understand that as well. If you know, it wasn't really their style of presentation, but man, so much of trying to figure out what those videos were was how to demonstrate the concept in a fresh way. So whether it was with like you know checkers or roulette wheels. <laughs> Or tiny plastic babies. <laughs> I mean, whatever, whatever it was, um, you know, that was sort of like what we considered the transformative element for sure in modernizing a concept that, yeah, might be 
in some Martin Gardner journal from decades ago. Mm-hmm. And you're really just retelling the article entry on this particular paradox. Um, but rather than, you know, just reading it, <laughs> I suppose, <laughs> um, it's like, okay, well, let's get some kind of cockamamie props and visuals involved and make, you know, these, these dice from scratch and whatever it was. So, yeah, that was a huge part of that process that you and I are conscientious of and have been for years. And it is, it is this weird thing where when you see people who don't care at all about that, they, they just, it doesn't matter to them. Um, there is no ethical standard surrounding just copying someone else and they're wildly successful with that. And on top of that, a whole lot of people don't care. <laughs> no, no, they don't either. So it's like, well, what are we talking about? Almost. Yeah. That's, that's a really important thing to recognize and admit too, that most people do not care about any of this. They, they, they just don't. Uh, yeah, I, this has been a topic that I've thought about for a long, long time because it's it's been a real problem to me, and I've gently expressed it as people being Wikipedia readers. I've, I've used this phrase over and over, like in the educational sphere, especially where they'll do the most surface level uh, investigation of a topic, which amounts to reading like the first three results on Google, one of which is always Wikipedia. And then telling the telling the story, you know, kind of leaving it at that. That is so lame to me. It's it really stinks, uh, and it's obvious too when somebody's done that because they don't ever go into anything related to the topic. And something that I'm very proud about what we've done is it, we didn't we didn't do it consciously. This is just who we are. Is that we like the context of of everything, and to me that context is often language. You know, we'll we'll look at the roots of words and why why a thing is called what it's called. That that actually matters to me. How uh, talking about a thing has developed through you know three thousand years and a dozen different languages to get into whatever phrase we use right now. You know, that's a, a supporting concept. Well, you look at at different styles of things, and so we talk about the stuff and end up putting in. Uh, you know, as much supporting material as we think that the video can handle, you know, and the problem that we we've, we've never had a problem ever once uh, where it's like, oh, here's a big gap. What do we do? The problem we have is here's a mountain of cool stuff that the research has uncovered. What can we put in that won't derail the video? Because at a point, at a point, you can't you can't do what you can do with a book, which is have like a side quest that takes up a whole chapter. That's totally fine and it's awesome in a book. You can't do that in the same way in a video and still hold people. Um, you know, not when it's not a story, right? So like if it's a math video, like eh, you gotta tread somewhat close to the path of of that topic. Uh, so when those things aren't in a video, it's because somebody doesn't know them. It's because they they don't see those connections because they didn't go deep enough to find them. Uh, you don't you even can't have to connect, do that. You can't connect dots if you don't know the dots are there. That's how yes, I think exactly. of it. Yep. Yeah. It, it, sh- it really betrays the level of research they do because 
virtually nothing is going to be an, an original thing in the educational sphere. It's just not, it's not possible at this point. Uh, you, you have to dedicate yourself to a hyper niche. So when you start uh, researching something, you get some primary sources, then you start to read the things that other people have said or written about that topic. You get that secondary analysis. So you get to see other people connecting dots. This shows you what some of the dots are. And if you're very good at what you do and a little bit lucky, you will find a handful of dots that nobody has has really bothered to connect yet. But if there are none of those, you didn't even go to that that secondary level of other people talking about the dots they connected. You stink if you haven't done that. And it's obvious. If there's a one-dimensional video, then somebody has barely scratched the surface in the lamest possible way and then told told that story as if they've done something. No, no. If you do that, it is like reading a book in eighth grade and writing a book report. Congratulations, you're as sophisticated as a 13-year-old in English class. That's, that's the level of it. And it sucks. It sucks and it's lame. If you have the personality uh, to, to pull it off, maybe a lot of people still like you. And that's good. You know, I, I, if the content is true, like you're, you're doing a good job telling people all of this. Uh, but you're going to be proud of it? Well, that's, that's between you and your maker. But I think if you're proud of it, you are absolutely delusional uh, about what you're producing. And if you aren't delusional and you sincerely believe it, you have no idea. You have no idea how it really should be done. I don't know what you've been sipping, but you've got it all wrong. It's time to commit to the leaf. We've embraced the smoothness and surprising pick-me-up that tea provides. I literally drink it all day long, nearly a gallon a day, and it powers me through research, script writing, and forums on websites that I refuse to name here. But we don't drink normie NPC tea. We drink cultured and refined anime tea from the Dragon's Treasure. Kevin still likes the gunpowder green called Space Cowboy, and I've sampled nearly 40 Dragon's Treasure teas at this point. Lately, I've been slamming black teas like Kentucky Bourbon and Liquefied Berserk Despair. Scottish Breakfast is deep and peaty, and I smooth it over with Sebastian's Morning Earl Grey, which has the best vanilla cream taste I think I've ever had in a cup. Give me a pot of that with a hot meatball sub from Sal's Pizza and Brooks Barbecue Chicken to wash down my last meal on death row. I highly recommend the sampler packs. You'll want to try everything just like I did. I literally have not had one tea that I wouldn't be happy to reorder. The Dragon's Wings membership fuels new tea experimentation and the Tea of the Month Club provides a regularly scheduled surprise. And when you order from the Dragon's Treasure using code CREATE, you'll get 10% off your order. That's 10% off using the code CREATE at thedragonstreasure.com. The link's in the description. No, but all of this is so complicated. Uh, it gets to a level where this is why I think people people just get, they throw their hands up and they don't care. And, and what I mean by that is like, it's like they don't even care about step one. They really are not going to care about step 17. So <laughs> yeah. let me explain uh, and let me sort of hopefully validate that statement. Um, and I'll give you an example. So freebooting, right? So freebooting is when someone just straight up rips someone else's content and re-uploads it and, you know, monetizes that. Okay. That happens all the time. 
on all of the platforms and no one cares. <laughs> Nobody no. cares at all. If someone's con like the whole video, okay, is just straight up downloaded, stolen, and re-uploaded by somebody else so that they can show it to their audience, no one cares. Yep. <laughs> that is that is so much worse than the concept of plagiarism. That is literal th content theft. And nobody cares about that at all. I mean, you have not, not very so much, popular no. uh, Twitter accounts and Instagram accounts and TikTok accounts, right? That oh, all God, they yes. do all day is just re-upload other people's stuff. And those, you know what those account, accounts are? Extremely popular. Yeah, they're awesome. <laughs> the most popular. Yeah, because it's convenient. It's so much easier to just follow the person stealing every everything and showing you the good stuff than to, you know, happen to stumble upon it by following 10,000 different accounts. You just follow the one and you get to see cool stuff all the time, all day. It's great. So the fact is, is like, if nobody cares about that, how in the world are you going to get to a point where you convince anyone to give a remote, you know what, about someone, you know, slightly rewording an article that they read on the internet and turning it into a YouTube video? Never going to happen. <laughs> the percentage of jokes that you've heard in your life that that somebody told you because they themselves thought of them is zero. <laughs> no, nobody's ever been like, oh, I've, I've crafted a very funny joke. Uh, let me workshop on you. No, really good jokes spread around the world. Somebody, somebody obviously did think of them to begin with, but it's probably not your friend. I Kim. have, I have sent you some jokes that I've thought. <laughs> yes, but you do like comedy pursuits. I do. Yeah, I do. Very few do. people have a, have a friend who does comedy stuff, you know, <laughs> like, uh, you know, we talked about Donovan. He would, he would like throw jokes out to the group chat all the time. Uh, like, mm -hmm. Is this too far? Is this going to get me banned on Twitter? Is this as funny as I think it is? <laughs> you know, like, okay. Most people don't have a friend who who is like a stand-up comic or draws potato cartoons in their spare time. <laughs> so all the jokes you hear came from somebody else and you don't care. If the joke is funny, you don't stop your friend. Like you don't stop laughing at the end and say, now, Tim, level with me here. Did, did you come up with that joke or did you just hear it and tell me? <laughs> That's stupid. Right. Obviously. That's ridiculous. Obviously, it shouldn't work that way. So the question is, what's the difference? What's the difference? And it's, it's subtle. It's a little philosophical. Some people don't care at all. Uh, some people prefer non-original things. You know, I, I like this with, with music. I want to go to a bar and see an amazing cover band. <laughs> I don't want to hear your original shit. <laughs> mm, right. I just don't. There's a reason why you're playing in the 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 township of of South Lawrence. <laughs> yeah, but you're not you're Madison not, Square Garden. You are yeah. not alone in that. I mean, anyone who's paid attention to live touring acts and and musical acts, at least in the United States, I don't know how yep. it is elsewhere. Tribute acts are overwhelmingly what people show up for. Yeah. That's what you'll see. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I like, uh, I like Elvis a lot and most of my favorite Elvis songs are 
uh, covers that he did when he was in residence uh, in Las Vegas in in the early 70s. His original stuff is cool, but he crushed it on a lot of songs that were other people's. That's legitimate entertainment. There's nothing wrong with any of this. So if there's nothing wrong with it and it happens all the time and everybody's okay with it, slash sometimes preferring it, then why is it a problem on YouTube? And that's a real question I think that a lot of people would 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 freeze at. I don't think they, I was going to say struggle to answer. I don't even think they'd be able to struggle. I think it would be like, uh, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, because the the other thing, the, so I mentioned freebooting. Okay, so there's like the most the most high level egregious stealing content that exists is rampant, and you know for the most part everybody supports and loves. Uh, the next one, which you know people do complain about, rightfully so. Um, cause I, I, I certainly, I don't really like, I don't like any of this. I don't like any of these levels, but the next one down are these react channels where yeah, uh, these people just watch other people's content and quote unquote react, but it, it there's nothing interesting about their reaction. They're not adding any sort of color to <laughs> what you're watching, <laughs> literally just watching them watch it and those people are, you know, monetizing that. And again, it's just like the next level down of what I would consider to be stealing other people's content. But that's also really popular, right? And that no one would complain about this if no one was watching this. But that's very popular. Is one of the more popular streamers do this all the time? Uh, XQC or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and there are other ones who are well known for this is what they do. They sit around and they stream watching other people's content. So what's, you know, what, what's that? That's not great, but no. And it's not that commentary like, like Moist Critical does where like he watches a thing to the point where he can say something about it, you know, and then, then he'll, he'll put his comments in, you know, some of these others like, okay, here's, here's somebody eating a bowl of cereal as they watch a 24 minute anime episode. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. You know, there's, there are levels here. Uh, I, I do want to say that, you know, in this, in the video, in the H bomber guy video, uh, he, if somebody can, can tell us how many cases are in, it, I can't remember, but I'd say it's probably eight to 10. Uh, each one is around half an hour. And that's because he is meticulous and surgical about comparing the video to whatever it was stolen from. It's not a couple lines in in most of these. It's not it's not like that. Now, one of the better examples, well, the the uh, angry video game nerd one. That there are lots of examples there, lots of them where it's just yeah, you can tell like this is the source. Well, another one was internet historian who I like quite a lot. He is a great guy. Uh, he has uh, you know a, a high level of integrity. Well, he blew it completely. He completely blew it. The segment on the cave guy video that H bomber guy does <clears throat> is, uh, it's irrefutable. There's no question that the script for that video came from, uh, from a mental floss article in style and substance. It was barely even change a few words. It was blatant. Now I know him. I know internet historian. This is not like, uh, you know, this is not, um, you know, a, a super 
hyper casual acquaintance. Uh, so I have a sense of what happened there. And this is the other thing is that I want to make a distinction between two types of <clears throat> plagiarism offenses. One of them is the slimy, scummy, I can do this thing that somebody else has done and get a billion views and, and whatever. There's some pretty, pretty good examples of that in, in the H-Bomber guy video. Then there's plagiarism where people have lost control for whatever reason of their process. That is the AVGN James Rolfe example. And H-Bomber guy does an excellent job of showing what process was the problem. Now it's this guy named Newt uh, and a, an extremely demanding video schedule. You know, one thing I really liked is there's a point where he shows that they accidentally overcommitted to sponsorships and had to break up like a Christmas video or something into three videos so that they could do the three ad spots. Well, that's really nicely indicative of the pace that they were they were on and the pressures that they were on. You're like, okay, you can see somebody phoning it in here, which is not wise. I'm not defending that. But you can understand why they they did that as opposed to put the work in. You know, so that was really, really good. <clears throat> And I'm sure the same thing happens uh, with with historian. But well, and you also sorry sorry to interject, Matt. But you also no, no, have to you also if you're someone like James Ralph or James Rolf, sorry, you have to trust your employees. <laughs> if you're working with other people, you have to trust that they are creating original works, right? Like yes. he's not going to be staying up all night double checking that this guy didn't copy. Because why would he even think that he would? This is the problem. This is why it's very, very hard to identify, because if you can do that, you have to know what you're looking for. To be able to identify a problem in a script, you have to know enough about the topic to know there's a problem or this thing is missing or that's not quite right. If you know the topic to that level, you could just write the script yourself. It's faster. So you get this really <laughs> odd conundrum where if you have the chops to notice something about a topic then you don't need a writer in the first place. So and if, if you, you have think the writing, that, well, sorry. And if you think that the, the guy's copying things in which you're like going to copy and paste chunks of the script into Google to see if an article, you would just yep. not work with that person to begin with. <laughs> you That's would right. never get to that point without just firing them. That's right. If, if you took everything I wrote and ran it through a plagiarism checker, why would you even what role do I fulfill? Bye-bye, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like yeah. If I have to get to that point, I, I'm struggling. You're usually much better than I am at this, of coming up with some sort of analogy for relationships. But it does seem like if you're at that point where you're pretty sure that that person is, you know, yeah. cheating on you, then maybe you should just not, you should just break up. <laughs> no, you're. that's actually a really good, a really good example. If, if you have to do all of that, then you have a, a deep problem that's unrelated to the specific thing. <laughs> it's quite deep. No, that's actually exactly right. Um, so you're you're not in a position to evaluate the thing and you have to trust somebody else. Now, this popped a few years ago with Amy Schumer, who I detest. I don't like a thing about her. <laughs> I, I, the, I'm trying to think of one thing I could say positive about her, and it's probably that I'm glad that she makes a lot of people happy in the world. I don't know any of them, but I know they exist. There's a joke stealing thing that came out with her show. And I think that she is completely and totally blameless because of the mechanism of writing for that show. So for her to know that a joke was stolen, she herself would, would have to know 
which you don't know all the jokes in the world. You just don't. I don't know how many writers were in that room, but it was probably a lot. No. Yeah, those writer rooms are usually way bigger than you think. And also, I remember towards uh, reading about towards the end of the run of Seinfeld, this was a thing mm. where some of the Seinfeld writers would go down to comedy clubs, you know, in New York, yep. New York or L.A. or whatever, hear bits, and then they would turn those bits into like a Kramer subplot. Yeah. How can you, as the person who's at the the final end of the process know about any of this. Yeah, does Jerry to. Seinfeld know? Does Larry David know? No. Right, right. It's not possible. Uh, so that's when I say at a point you lose control of your process and you do have to operate on, on an insane degree of trust and also knowing that that person upholds, uh, upholds certain principles that it's, that it's extremely important to them. It's really hard to find those situations and it's hard to govern them as well. When, when you add people, this gets exponentially more difficult. It is not linear. It is absolutely not linear. Uh, when you go from two people to 20, oh God, I mean, and what's the alternative? You have everybody policing everybody else. No, that's like, that's like the worst period of, of informants in the Soviet Union where everybody's watching their neighbor and then calling them in to get like a little bit more bread. It's a horrible environment. Nobody wants to work in that. That will kill your process. So all these these controls and fixes for the problem make it worse. This this is not an easy situation. Uh what you know, I was talking to somebody who a large YouTube creator, high six figures I think, uh on subs probably low four figures on net wealth. Well, we were talking about how something like the cave guy script happens. That's really easy to prevent because again, this, if you haven't seen the video, the original cave guy script was lifted from a mental floss article. Uh, so this could have been prevented in, in the easiest way possible. You write the thing in Google docs, every single thing you write, you highlight and comment the source if if it's sourced from something, well, Kevin, the script on the video that you're about to release is probably 95% commented, isn't it? The whole screen is yellow oh, from, yeah. from highlighting and commenting. Yeah. yeah. In your case, this is not the case in other types of videos, but the asset, the visual asset that goes with something in a script is almost always the source. Quite often the source, not almost always. Um, so there's a built-in check there. But if you have to do that, if you have to mark, here's where the information comes from, well, in that script, it would have been one giant comment linked to one article. <laughs> it, would, yeah. it would have been obvious that there wasn't a diverse set of sources that this was pieced together and created from. You know, so you can build in operational controls for this sort of thing. We don't, we don't do it to make sure we don't have a, a plagiarism type thing. Uh, but this is very important because sometimes you're forced into a spot where you have to do something that somebody else would consider to be plagiarism. This, uh, I, I'm trying to think of a specific example, and it's hard because I don't think anybody would know them because they're parts of videos that you've done. Um, we usually use three, four, five books on a topic that are books that are on the specific topic. 
and then 10 trillion sources that are you know outside of it research papers studies newspaper articles whatever but a core stack of books uh, that do a thing there are times when there's only one way to tell a piece of a story there's one way it literally is boring and stupid any other way <laughs> or incomplete that's it and somebody did an amazing job they they got it right they were the first to do it they did it in their book and it is completely and totally impossible for somebody else to do it better. They have maxed it out. They have hit the ceiling on being interesting here. Well, they did that for a reason. And if you do anything else, yours is going to be bad. It's just going to be bad. Uh, You're forced into doing the same thing because the situation dictates it. The information dictates it. There's not a lot of flexibility there. You know, and my my first reaction to the H-Bomber guy video was there's another level here of analyzing writing, which was not, you know, his, the point of his video was not to go to the nth degree on, on writing. What, and what is plagiarism? Yeah. Y- yeah, yeah. That yeah. wasn't the point. Yeah. So I, I'm not saying like, oh, he should have said this. No, no, no. It wouldn't have been a fit in his video, but there really truly are times where you need to do, you need to do for the sake of the person watching or reading, you need to do something that's already been done. When that happens, all you have to do is cite the source. All you have to do is say, uh, you know, this guy wrote it here. That's perfectly appropriate. Nobody cares. There's nobody in the world who watches a video. And then, Kevin, you say, you know, John Smith wrote in his book about, uh, you know, bubblegum wrappers. And then you read three lines from it. I say, oh, God, I'm going to X out of this video because he just relayed information that somebody else thought of. No, nobody cares. This is the that's, this is the way that's what it citing works. sources is. Yeah, I mean that that's <laughs> literally what citing a source is. That that's this citing is the a source. <laughs> yes, this is how writing works. So it is totally appropriate. You know, uh, Austin Kleon is a he's written some really tiny, amazing books uh, that I like. The first one that really got him on the map was called Steal Like an Artist, and it's it's a great look at this at this topic because almost everything is derivative. Even if you don't intend it to be, I realized this when I was reading 20 years ago, uh, very early New York authors, New York state authors, not the city, Washington Irving, James Fenimore Cooper, a little cadre of, of friends uh, who wrote in that period. Well, they, they wrote with really long multi-clause sentences to the point where most people think it's unreadable now. They don't like it. Well, that's what I was reading. I did that for a couple months. and slowly that's how my writing became it i i wrote these long drawn out complex sentences that were <laughs> unreadable to the people grading my papers it just happened i didn't try to do that i didn't try to imitate them no i kind of spit out what i was putting into my mind you know in a, a gentle way this happens all the time how many ideas kevin have i pitched to you about things and you're like yeah that's been done here and you'll link me or something to it. And I'll look at it and be like, oh yeah, I saw that months ago. <laughs> we want to help you make something and mean something. And we say that phrase all the time because when you're making something and you know it means something, even if it's just to you, that's when you feel pretty good about what you're creating. 
The support for the Create Unknown in recent weeks has been incredible. Animators, artists, musicians, YouTubers, aspiring filmmakers, comedians, it is crazy how talented everybody in this community is. Consider joining the Create Unknown Patreon. Every dollar that comes through goes straight into the podcast and its community. That means more highlights videos. It means a big Minecraft project that's on the way. And eventually, we'd like to manufacture custom piss bottles so you never have to leave your battle station. And being a patron unlocks participation in all of our live recordings. You've seen the roster of guests we've had. Having access to their minds is a unique opportunity. You can go to patreon.com slash thecreateunknown or click the link that's in the description. Every little bit helps and your support means absolutely everything to us. Patreon.com slash thecreateunknown. Links in the description. We appreciate you, Space Cowboys. Dude, I had the... I had the funniest example of that happening to myself. So the other day, it was, I think it was maybe the end of last week, I was just kind of searching for weird stories, searching for interesting topics. You know, we've been doing videos, telling telling stories um, recently about um, disgraced or forgotten sort of people, figures in, in, in science. And I came across an article about this. Uh, I mean, I can't remember the details of it well enough to be able to relay the story right now. But essentially it was a, it was a, it was a guy. I was like, this would make a great video. Like this story um, is, is really compelling. But there was another one that I sent to you, Bogdanov or something. Well, yeah, oh, maybe that'll be it. Bogdanov. Uh, yeah. Well, maybe that, that'll be a, yes. <laughs> yeah, a video next year. That was a different one, but it was the same yeah. day. I was like, man, this would make for, I think we could do it. I think we could turn this into a good YouTube video. So I, I went to YouTube and I typed in his name and Veritasium's like most popular video in the last like two years is a video about this guy. I was like, oh, okay, (laughs) never mind. Like it was like wildly popular. Like Derek did a video and it has like 20 million views or something just completely bonkers viral. Um, That is the story of this guy that I was like, ooh, I've uncovered this little unknown gem of a story that uh, you know i think would be great to uh tell on vsauce too and then meanwhile yeah like 27 million people have already watched the uh, derek's video about him i'm like okay and back in the day you probably knew about that video and and it's gone you know at a, at a point it left your mind you almost certainly encountered that video at some point may not have watched it but you, you it came up in a feed you saw it you knew it existed whatever but it didn't stick because there's no reason for it to stick. Uh, and so that didn't pop down the road. I mean, you can forget things and you can also internalize ideas to the point where where you think you had them. Yes. That, that I've I do seen this, this happen. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to even say I know people who do this I, because maybe, maybe there's like a, a spectrum of it and some do it more than others. But I, I might be willing to say that virtually everybody does this. Same this phenomenon where because I have had this happen to me basically with every creative person I know. Oh, where, you've where, talked to me about where this. Yes. At some point, they tell me their idea. They tell me they tell me their idea, and I'm like, yeah, that yeah. was my idea. <laughs> yeah, a month ago, me. this is what I pitched yeah. to you. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, dude, I do like that idea. I really liked it when it was mine, and I told it to you. <laughs> Like seven months ago, uh, this is yeah. not like 
a Matt Tabor problem. This is this has yeah. happened to me with every creative person that I'm friends with. <laughs> no, I, I had a rift in a relationship because I insisted that I had invented a particular dish, a uh, cooking dish. And I, I, I still believe that I did. I still think that I did. Well, uh, the, the lady Like a was, recipe or like yeah, a literal yeah, yeah. dish? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'd oh, okay. cook something. I'd cook something and then, you know, it's like, yes, I invented this. And then uh, she insisted that, no, she'd invented that. And we'd been eating it so long, so many times that, you know, couldn't really go back and think about who did what. And so like, we both thought that we were the originator of this food dish. Uh, and I still don't know who was. There's no way to find out. Uh, so it happens in little ways and it happens in big ways. Uh, it's, you know, I, yeah, I do it all the time. And so there is some nuance to this, but you know, there are different ways like you have to talk about the different pieces in different ways. So it's like, where did an idea come from? That's one kind of thing. Where's the, the progression of it? You know, this was the big thing in the, the internet historian video. Uh, so the, the premise, by the way, is this guy is stuck in a cave. This is the theme of the video. The mental floss article went through the, the thing hour by hour with what was happening to him, rescue efforts, whatever. But it was done sort of like a, a true crime show where they're reliving the, the progression of that whole thing. Uh, you know, and, and the historian video did it that way as well. So it was like hour 12. This is where we're at an hour 41. Well, you know, this, that could be one of those. This really is the best way to do it situations. And it's not like that guy invented chronological order. Uh, so <laughs> You know, that's one thing to talk about. And then there's the specific script or presentation of a thing. That's a, a different debate. Yeah. And on that one, when you see side by sides in many of the H bomber guy cases, that's the indefensible part, right? It, it's so obviously copied in language and structure and all of that. But you, you have to treat each of these pieces as a separate thing. Where'd you get the basic idea? Does it matter that somebody else has done that idea? Uh, does the way you do it, the, the, the structure of the thing resemble somebody else's structure that really feels proprietary. And then it's that detailed level of stuff, like the actual words that you're using in the example of a YouTube video. Uh, you, you can't really treat any of those things separately, or I mean, I, excuse me, treat them all together. You have to treat them one by one. You know, there are different levels of, of really, really art, you know, it, it is a super general thing being derivative. This came up in the episode chat, you know, that, that term is, it's really important. You know, Tolkien has almost defined what, what like the fantasy, that style of fantasy, the genre is like with orcs and goblins and uh, you know, white and gray wizards. And like, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with writing a story that has orcs and goblins and white wizards. And, and you know, a lot of things in that sword and sorcery genre. It's the, do. it's the language of high fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's it. The best you can do really is decide whether you take the high fantasy road or the low fantasy road. Uh, I don't know if anybody here has ever read a really bad story or a really bad book. Perhaps you've written one, especially when you were young. I have written some very bad things. But you try to be original or you read something where somebody 
has tried to be original. It's just not good. It it doesn't work. They've they've sacrificed quality or really entertainment for the sake of having something that nobody else has done. You know, so like the wizard is walking through the forest and sees uh, a, a turtle up on the road, and then the turtle pokes his head out of the shell and attached to his head is is a a machine gun. <laughs> Starts <laughs> shooting at the wizard. Okay, nobody's done that. But that, that doesn't sound very good. You know, that, well, I don't know. That sounds pretty cool to me, but you know, I'm also yeah. an idiot, so I like dumb things. But uh, an example of this uh, for me is actually the writing of William Gibson, who uh, f- I, is is famously like one of the originators of the cyberpunk genre. I find his books like unintelligible to read. Now, that is definitely a me problem. Because I know people who absolutely adore the writing of William Gibson. Um, it's obviously very, very smart and sophisticated. But the level of jargon in that dude's books. Like I tried reading Neuromancer six times maybe. And I don't know. I really don't know if I ever got out of the first chapter. Which is crazy. And maybe just says a lot more about me than it does him. But man... It's just all like like Johnny connected his Zargon to the Florpon t- 7. And because he was tired of being flooped around by the Zimzabs. And you're like, dude, I don't know what you're talking about. And I don't care. So I'm done. <laughs> this is an actual genre. And I'm going to, I'm going to stoop here. I'm going to stoop to being a Wikipedia reader. Uh, because this is by far the best way to express it. William Gibson did speculative fiction, and speculative fiction deliberately does, Kevin, what you're you're saying okay. you don't like, and I don't like it either. I have a lot of trouble with that. I don't like Dune. I don't like Dune. I find it to be very similar to what you were describing, where I don't know what's happening. I don't know why anything is happening. And I, I don't know. I like reality, but but the the Wikipedia <laughs> speculative fiction says that it deliberately departs from realism or from strictly imitating ordinary reality. So the the whole mission of speculative fiction is to do that thing, you know, to make sure it's unrecognizable to uh, uh you know to reality. Yeah, I liked uh, Dune. I read Dune. I I thought it was cool. So you know, there's Dune of, enjoyers was, in yeah, this chat. I was, uh, on, I'm on. Uh, I thought I was on board. I guess with speculative fiction, but uh, well, I, the William Dune Gibson thing yeah. lost me like instantly. Dune. I don't think Dune much. Is, would be speculative fiction, but it feels like it is to me. Okay, got like it. that's my level of discomfort with right with stuff like that. Uh, but you can imagine how if your mission is to write a speculative fiction book where everything departs from reality, meaning you have to invent it, a lot of that's going to suck. A lot, you know, a lot of science fiction is terrible, but that's partly because that's the process. When you enter that realm where you have to make a lot of things up, the results are going to be pretty bad. You know, it's sort of the the writing equivalent of like a, a show like Chopped, where somebody just gets a table of weird ass ingredients and they have to build a, a, a dish out of it. Yeah, this can be amazing and they can be super creative or, you know, you have like a dog poop and and pickle pot pie 
<laughs> I didn't see the episode where dog poop was in one of the baskets, but yeah, I no, forget. they they have dog feces in most episodes. Yeah, yeah, dog dog feces, a radish, soy sauce, and uh, mascarpone. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I do think that anytime you do something, and by the way, oh, I, I want to point this out too. This tends to happen, this plagiarism stuff, like like the cases the H-Bomber guy puts out are not 71 subscriber channels who are doing everything on their own. This creeps in when an enterprise is large enough to be vulnerable to it with uh Cinemassacre, ScreenWave, uh, AVGN, whatever that enterprise is over there. They were doing so many shows. They had high, high volume production. They were vulnerable to cheating. Uh, Historian's channel grew to a point where, you know, surely he needed help with editing and writing and whatever, because you just can't do it all at a certain point. And adding those people on made him vulnerable. The people like XQC, that it doesn't take 25 people to produce that content. However, there is a, a an expectation on really high volume with streamers. You know, they wouldn't be watching and technically reacting to a show if they didn't have to stream five hours a day. Yeah. So these situations make them vulnerable to it. Who is more likely in going back to eighth grade again? Who's more likely to turn in a plagiarized paper in eighth grade, the kid who just says, screw it and does something else, or the kid who has not begun to write the paper until 10 PM the night before it's due in panics. This is, this is obvious that, that certain systems and pressures are a breeding ground for this particular kind of bacteria. And you have to, you have to keep it clean. You have to disinfect like crazy and not bring in contaminants if you can avoid it. It's a huge, huge process just to do that. You don't have to do it when you're the one writing, recording, and editing. You you do what you want then. You would only copy if you made a conscious decision to copy. But once you get to a certain level, the good people who have integrity become vulnerable to these sorts of problems. Now, I do think it's on them. I'm not excusing them at all. It's 100% on all of them to not let this happen. You have to find a way in your process that works to avoid this kind of problem. It is on you, fair or not, it is on you in the end. And you have to do whatever you have to do. Now, hopefully it's just hiring really good people who have the skills and who you can trust. Hopefully that's enough. Uh, you know, Kevin. Kevin knows that I don't, sneak in horrible things like like if you print out a transcript of his video like the the capital letters of the beginning of each sentence don't don't write out like i am a QAnon pizza pedophile <laughs> you know i'm not doing that and he knows i'm not doing that uh but the bigger it gets and the higher your volume the harder you have to work to do this and it's unfortunate that anybody has to but you have to you you just you have you have a responsibility to do this <sighs> Stuff's gonna suck too. I gotta point that out. Your, your your derivatives or not derivative. Your copied stuff is probably gonna stink. So you have an incentive not to do it there. Uh, but yeah, I do think it's on all of these people, and that's why I like this video so much. I tweeted this is the most important video to come out in a few years. The last one that I thought was as important was uh, 
CoffeeZilla's algorithm video a few years ago. You remember that? Yeah. With the yeah, piece, yeah. the P square type thing, mm-hmm. you know, that was important YouTube wide stuff. So is this. It's not just for the creators either. When you're watching, you should, you should think about this and think about what you want. If you don't care, that's cool. And I'm not going to give you a hard time about it. You enjoy what you enjoy. If you want really good content, you have to find the people who are making it and commit to them. You have to value that process. A lot of people, we know a lot of people who make very good stuff with, with top-notch integrity and detail. They exist. But yeah, it's on you just as much as it's on, on the people making it. So my big thing, my big takeaway with this whole topic um, really comes down to like, is this a you know tree falls in the woods and no one's around to hear it doesn't make a sound? I, I think this is one of those because I don't have the answer to this question, but the question is looming large over this entire discussion, which is, does anyone actually care? Like there are certainly enough people who care about the drama of it to watch the video and talk about it because it's juicy. The drama of it is juicy. (laughs) So you'll get, yeah. So H bomber guys getting millions and millions and millions of views on this video and everyone's talking about it because it's exciting and interesting to discuss is to spill the tea Mm -hmm. on this plagiarism issue. However, uh, will there be any fallout in any measurable, meaningful capacity to anyone who has been highlighted in this video? You know, are there actual, because, because let me, let me sort of define a little bit what could happen and what I'm assuming will not happen. Okay. So with human beings, there's this thing called social pressure (laughs) and, uh, there are things amongst human beings uh, that other human beings will get upset about and the social pressure will mount and they will create consequences for the bad actor. So let me give you, there are really, anything against the law is like very obvious. I don't want to talk about anything, you know, oh, you know, OJ murdered his wife. He's canceled. Like, okay, that is, that is not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about are things like here. Here's an example, okay? And maybe I am simplifying the situation, but I don't think that I am. Recently, in recent <laughs> YouTube lore, one of the Try Guys was kicked out of the Try Guys and canceled forever for adultery. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Do, do are we all? Do we all remember this? You know, oh, unless there was. Yeah. Unless there was something else that this dude did that was more cancel worthy or more egregious, I don't think that there was. I'm pretty sure that this dude cheated on his wife and the internet and the fans of Try Guys found out about this adultery and that dude is done. There, he It was a huge controversy. He was kicked out of the Try Guys, which is one of the most popular YouTube things that has ever existed, millions and millions and millions of views. And um, this dude is is gone. He's disgraced. As from, from what I know, I don't remember like any big comeback from the Try Guy guy kicked out of Try Guys. From what I understand, this guy is, has no more career because of cheating on his wife. Wandering. That, that 
my friends and listeners, is what you call social pressure. Mm -hmm. uh, people got together who don't know this guy, don't know his wife. They don't know the person he had an affair with. They don't know these people personally, but they all got together and were really upset by this situation and collectively decided this is this. We will not tolerate this. We want this person cast out. They are exiled from he is exiled from the try guys we no longer wish to see this guy try <laughs> is what is what happened in that situation so god i wish i was i i knew how exactly they let him go if they used a line like that like you've tried and <laughs> failed yes you you're have no longer allowed to try you've tried your last thing guy um my point is is anyone lighting the torches and grabbing the pitchforks over plagiarism? I don't, it does not appear to be the case. I, I, I there, that social, you know, am I equating adultery with plagiarism? Um, I mean, they're both kind of, you know, one of the temp, 10 commandments. They're, they're sort of, <laughs> thou yeah. shalt not steal, thou yeah. not shut covet thy neighbor's wife or uh yeah they're, they're both on the tablets but this has changed yeah. this has changed over time too yeah so it's just not me, the same actually, it's not the same offense you, it obviously is not the same offense let me give you an example that the youngins the youngins will not know okay in 1987 in 1987 here we go uh <laughs> the leader of the labor party in the United Kingdom was Neil Kinnock. In 87, a United States politician plagiarized one of Neil Kinnock's speeches. He got busted hard for this. He actually was trying to run for president in 1988 when this came out. And it was a major reason why it kicked him out of the race. The consensus was that he was done in politics. His integrity was gone. It was over for him. His career was a dead end after he was found plagiarizing Neil Kinnock's speech. His name was Joe Biden. So it ended up not being much of a problem for him. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but that was a, that was the ultimate killer 30-some, 40 years ago. Millie Vanilli is, is the most famous example in entertainment of somebody cheating and getting busted on a grand scale for it. This is Millie Vanilli lip syncing, not actually singing their songs, but pretending as though they were. This was a big, big deal at the time. Wifflebutter says in the chat, Carlos Mencia too. Steve, the Joe Rogan, Carlos Mencia conflict over stolen stand-up jokes years ago was incredible. It really mattered until recently. Carlos Menstelia. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That confrontation was epic. But you know, when we were kids, this was the ultimate killer. It, it was it was suicide with with a career. It was um, you know you would have been kicked out of any college or university uh, that you attended if you'd plagiarized something. The consequences were severe. That that has changed, and I don't think actually it's a tree falls in the forest and nobody hears it thing. I think it's a tree falls in a forest. And all the other trees have their fingers in their ears because they don't they don't want to hear and they don't care. Nobody cares. Is that healthy? 
I don't think it is at all. I don't think it's at all healthy. I don't think that there should be some, uh, you know, shut down angry video game nerd. You know, I'm not going to take the next internet historian video seriously. No, 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 doesn't work that way. And I did like an H bomber guy's video that he showed how ScreenWave dealt with Newt, the guy who who did this. They they showed he showed that they resolved that problem. That's that's all you can do once it's happened. I don't know where that script came from for historian, but I'm sure he solved the problem. <laughs> I, 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 he probably threw them to any of the animals in the Australian wild that could kill a man. Uh, but this is going to be dead in, in another week. This is going to be a quirky little footnote that occasionally comes up in, in the future. And maybe some people will strengthen their practices so they don't get exposed. That's the the net good to me is that I think some people are going to get nervous. Uh, you know, you, you don't want to be in a video like that. But I, I also think that a lot of people are aware that they're doing this. It's not nearly as much of a, this accident happened. You know, we had a bad ac- apple in the mix and, you know, that sucked. Oh, a lot of people do this stuff uh, and they mean it. They are quite happy. Uh, being those Wikipedia readers and making a video where they come off as brilliant. Oh God, they're so smart. By the way, talk to some of them in person. See how much they know about those topics. <laughs> it, it goes about how you'd think it would go. No, don't I, please don't do that because if anybody asks me about anything, <laughs> I don't remember anything ever. So don't ask me any, any questions about these topics. I forget every video the the moment it's published. It's literally yes. the day after. I can't tell you what the video from yesterday was about. It's it's, it's Men it's in Black. It's Men mm-hmm. in Black. The the memory erase thing just yes. gone. It's gone and on to the next one. And what is what is the next one about? And then you just plug through that one. Yeah. So um, Kevin, do you like that this video exists? What I, like I as we wrap up here, I do want to get to that. Do you think this video is a good thing? Yeah, well, of course, of course. I mean, I think that uh, I don't like plagiarism. I don't like the fact that people just steal other people's content. And um, but, but I think I'm a little maybe too cynical about the audience's interest in that. Like my perspective on it is that this is kind of like an inside baseball problem uh, between like a handful of players in the game and not even every, everybody that's playing baseball cares. It's like, a, yeah. it's like a niche within a niche of people who think it matters to create like actual original content. Um, and then droves and droves of watchers and producers who simply don't. And what's the argument against them? Like, wh- how do you convince someone who doesn't think this matters that it, they should. I don't know the answer to that because it comes down to something involving morality, ethics. It and seems to get like, too. yeah, like, I don't know. It seems to get, just get conceptual really quickly. Um, I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go on. Well, well, I would say like the only like tangible argument against it would be that you, at some point you, you do need original creators for, for the copycats to steal from, um, you know, and, and, uh, sort of rewarding and, um, dealing, heaping, I don't know. I don't want to say heaping praise, but I guess rewarding people for original work, uh, seems like a good idea, 
But at the end of the day, if you would rather just subscribe to some content farm aggregator because, you know, it's better for you in, in your life to conveniently just open up one because 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 that, that, that again going back to like the freebooting thing that to me is just a billion times worse than this plagiarism thing and people love that stuff like people and and if you're a creator and I'll also say this because I've seen this time and time again if you're a creator who complains about being freebooted you get ridiculed like people laugh at you and think you're like a dweeb and I don't know what else like being overly precious or greedy or something about the fact that you're upset someone stole your original creation. Like you are, I don't want to say tarred and feathered, but you're kind of, uh, yeah, I guess ridiculed for even caring about your own thing being stolen. Like what kind of environment is that? (laughs) But that's that's the environment that we're in with online content creation, 100%. An additional element to this that I'd like to talk more about in the future is it comes from me being a much stronger defender of higher education than most people are at this point. Almost everybody thinks it's a waste of time and money, especially in our realms, especially in our business. You won't think it matters at all. Well, they're, they're dumb and wrong. uh, And I'd like to expand on that. Uh, But it's, it's obvious to me who has been trained to write and who hasn't because it's very easy not to plagiarize when you know what you're doing <laughs> when you have uh practiced writing been taught writing i was uh, very lucky to have been educated by writers in the 1800s being old is good uh, I, I i know how to write a thing appropriately because i went to school and and picked that up i didn't study english or anything like that you know it came it comes from virtually any discipline uh that matters there's a tremendous amount of value in that. We get a lot of young people in a, a thing like YouTube where they never did any of it. You know, they did whatever the kind of bare minimum was in school. They never thought about it or had any real instruction with how to put ideas together uh, and express them. It's obvious to, to me that there is a lack of training problem. And I say training, not education, because you can get that training outside of schools. Outside of college, you don't have to go to to be this kind of writer. You absolutely don't have to, but it's real easy when you do. Um, we have a lot of things that are changing slash missing that are new. That level of training being low is new to me. People not caring about this is something that's new to me. Again, contrasting it with the end of Joe Biden in 87. Uh, there are double standards on things too, where we see... And this this was a criticism of H. Bomber guy. I didn't bring this up earlier because I don't know enough about it. I don't know a lot about him at all. Uh, but I saw a lot of reactions that said, wow, he made this video when he's friends with Hassan Piker, who's a, a champion plagiarizer himself. Like, I tuned that out because I don't care. I mean, all the evidence was there. That's all I care about. I, I have no idea what, what H. Bomber guy is like. He may be a villain. He may be despicable. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't really care. I care about, does the evidence that he presented make sense? Is it compelling? Well, when he puts stuff side by side over the course of 25 minutes, somebody's script, yes, that's compelling. Uh, you, know, you know, two plus two equals four, regardless of whether Heinrich Himmler or Taylor Swift is telling you. 
so <laughs> the, yeah uh, but uh, the criticism is is that like how can you you know go after these people for this type of plagiarism and then meanwhile you know buddying up with someone who's steals content in a more right. egregious way and that's kind of where i am trying to fold in like these other versions of content theft because yeah i, I mean that's not what his video was about it was not about reaction like he, maybe he does a four hour. I mean, that'd actually be a pretty short video. <laughs> There's not much nuance or analysis that needs to occur to just, you know, show that people sitting around and uh, chugging gamer fuel and watching anime is, is not really the most transformative content. But, but that's why I think it's important to mention that there are different forms of content theft of what you could consider plagiarism adjacent or something. And it all sucks and it's all rampant and popular. We have at least two standards though. There used to be double standards. Now it's probably like sextuple standards. But in that same era of Biden stealing a, a speech, Dan Quayle in a public debate misspelled the word potato. That was the end of Dan Quayle. I mean, he had a good career after and, you know, not, not in politics. Uh, he, he did okay, but he went from being uh, vice president to a laughing stock because he misspelled potato. And then in that same era, you get someone who just copies a speech from another world leader and passes it off as their own wisdom. And then that person eh, rides out the storm and, and becomes vice president and then president themselves. We have different outcomes for all of these people. Uh, I certainly saw standards being applied very, very differently on Twitter with this whole debate. There was there was some weird tribalism going on. I think it's very important to be honest about this stuff. Like I said, I love Internet Historian. I personally value uh, him. And you can still say, well, you know, he, he blew it on this process. <laughs> I think James Rolfe and, and Screenwave have released and influenced a great deal of entertainment over the years. Well, they blew it on on Monster Mash and whatever uh, uh, that that string of events that led to the plagiarism was about. You know, you can have both things here if you apply the standards consistently. You can do that, and it's okay. That that's how you do it. And I wish I saw more of that. I was really disappointed to see to see people ignore the video because they didn't like H Bomber Guy or uh, had massive criticism about. Him, his his own lore, which again I don't know because I don't care, and his own personal associations. That that's different. That's separate stuff. That's drama, commentary, whatever. I don't care. I'm 41 years old. <laughs> I, I, I I sincerely just do not care, but I do care about the evidence. Yeah. So um, we actually had a second topic in mind for this podcast, and. Uh, That'll be next week's uh, episode instead, uh, because there was so much to say about this topic. Uh, at this point, I want to throw it to people listening to leave comments and just let us know what your thoughts are on this, uh, with sort of like the big question being, do you care? And maybe do you yep. recognize and value people who do create, you know, original works online um thank you to all of our patrons for hanging out if you want to become a patron go to patreon.com slash the create unknown we are a patreon supported podcast we are here thanks to our patrons so thank you to all of them and we'll be back next week but until then see you space cowboys 
Thanks for listening to The Create Unknown. We make this show with the support of our patrons. 100% of that goes directly to keeping episodes going every week, and the recent support has been amazing. Sidpoke, NRM, Venture Addicts, Weezergood, you all really do make this show happen. Thank you to the Tots and Dumpster crew, old and new, who save tiny little lives every month. Thank you to our grizzled, battle-hardened child infantry. Clemente De Los Santos, Dan the Latch, Demetrius Andrews, Erica, Farrakhan, Jen Mefasanti, Kevin Menard, Mikhail Steinke, Monahim, Natsu, Penny Peddler, Risebread, Ryan Kinder, Samuel Manser, Sean S., Sean Malone, and Tom Videoger. And a tremendous shout-out to our elite baby gang commanders. Atrocious Guff, Cat, Dojangles, Graham Robertson, James Gallagher, Jeff Davis, Orange Vanilla Coke, Patrick Pister, TCU's personal pilot, Andy... Ryan Carroll, Baseweight, Vinthos, Yetis Deletus, Jonas Walter, Nathan Robinson, Jelksies, and of course, Trevstead. You are the elite. Thank you as well to our indentured servants, producer-editor Ben Webster, Minecraft mogul Laterman, Discord kitten wrangler Conrad, and producer emeritus Dan Yoshua. Thanks to Baseweight for use of Created in the Unknown for the opening theme. Thanks to Electro Voice for giving us mics to sound good on top of it. And a special thanks to Main Gear for powering all of our PC endeavors. The Create Unknown is an unknown media production in partnership with Studio 71.